0: Welcome to Five Stripe Weekly. Atlanta United finally wins on opening day, but unfortunately loses Joseph Martinez. We review match day one and dig into what the Five Stripes could do without the Venezuelan Viper. All that and more, next.
1: Welcome to the show, Five Stripe Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. Soar from a weekend of soccer? There's a -A 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 relaxing and affordable massage with your name on it. Massage Heights is a charming day spa that offers an exclusive escape from everyday routines. Refresh your mind, body, and spirit with a personalized spa treatment from Massage Heights. With six locations around Atlanta, look no further, book today to avoid the rush. It's been a weird week for Atlanta United with some highs and some lows that are just a little bit difficult to swallow. But what we do need to do is rally together as a fan base, as a team, and 2020 do it for Joseph, or uh, 2020 for Joseph, rather, but the, the hashtag, however I, I put it on the social media. But uh, let's get to the match review for Nashville. Uh, it was a 2-1 win. We, uh.
0: Hooray! We finally won a season opener. Unfortunately, it only costs 001. losing our best player. Exactly. I'm is... fine with losing every season opener from now on if this is the case. We'll never have to worry about going unbeaten, but you know what? Everyone's fit.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, definitely, um, you know, overall in the night, it was, uh, good vibes. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, Nashville SC, who uh, it was their first match as uh, an MLS side. Um, you know, they had some extracurriculars that uh, match kind of the um, you know, the vibes of a Nashville with the uh, you know, Judah and the Lion before. How, how,
0: which, be honest, <laughs> how bad was it?
1: It wasn't absolutely terrible. Uh, I wouldn't say they're my type of band but uh yeah it was uh i think something of for the uh, the locals if they really enjoyed it then let them, them have them. it right but uh and then Lizzie you know did a little uh you know soloing and whatnot and uh you know that was cool for them but uh i feel like also though you know they could probably add in a little bit more of uh you know alternative vibes not just uh, maybe uh, rock music and, mm. and all that. Maybe some a uh, little bit of uh, the hip hop that's prevalent there and, and whatnot. But getting into the lineup, yeah, it was the exact same 11 against Matagua. Uh, maybe a little bit surprising for some, Because, I mean, me personally, I had Larry coming in maybe against the more defensive side in Nashville in the sense where you don't really know what they have going forward. And so, you know, maybe having a guy that uh, can win some set pieces uh, headers-wise and whatnot. uh, And, you know, uh, we didn't really maybe have that in this game. Maybe it hurt us. Maybe it didn't. Uh, But, yeah, let's get into the the first goal, which, uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, are... Really, uh, I think, scoring early in games uh, recently, which is good. Uh, but Franco Escobar, he pretty much steps into midfield, uh, puts a, just a beauty of a ball to to Barco, and it lands at his feet eventually where he can take a shot. No one really expects him to, uh, yeah, just take it with such confidence like that. And, uh, wow, I mean, just bottom right corner, just one little uh, little... Bouncing, it's, yeah, I mean, unstoppable, really. I mean, yeah, hit with enough pace, and uh, wow, you know, ninth minute in, we're 1-0 hit.
0: Absolutely, and it was one of those goals where, you know, a bit of sketchy build-up play from the back at the side, but Atlanta had played its way all the way out of the back, and then Franco Escobar, like I said, beats somebody, and then he gets to... To Barco. I think what was interesting is nobody really closed him down at all, and it reminded me a little bit of a goal he scored last year against SKC away from a similar position, different side of the goal where it went in. Because um, I'm pretty sure against SKC he hit it near post, is when he went to the far. But this is a position that Ezekiel Barco will find himself in more and more often this season, and if he can be confident enough to trust his technical ability and shoot from there, he can score goals from that position because he clearly has a shot on him. Look at New England last year. I mean, like I said, this school. SKC, He's got a shot from that area. He can bend it into the corner. So, especially now given the injury to Joseph Martinez, this is a position that Ezekiel Barco, when given the opportunity, needs to test the keepers more often.
1: Right. And then, uh, yeah, later on, Walker Zimmerman gets in uh, for the first goal in Nashville history. Kind of dubious for us, uh, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean... it. It would have been nice of course to maybe shut them out and then you know they would have to figure out uh you know getting their first goal in their history against Portland Timbers or something but uh yeah I mean basically they get a set piece um and yeah it's Zimmerman versus Jose Martinez in the box which Zimmerman Dude. Big, big dude. Big dude.
0: He's going to win that battle. I mean, <laughs> yeah. for me personally, though, and this from the first time when I watched it, I, I thought maybe he had fouled him a little bit. And yes, I get that it is a mismatch, but you see him with both of his hands on Joseph's back. And to my knowledge, you're not allowed to do that. So, I mean, if you're big, win it in the air. Don't lean over and push the guy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Atlanta United have to be able to mark cleaner than that. And it wasn't just the initial header, it was a second ball. And you have right. to be able to clear that out. So at the same time, Yes, it was a bit frustrating, but Atlantana had to be better at clearing the ball when they have set pieces coming into their box. Right,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's still always been a little bit of a Achilles heel for us. We still need Regardless to of that the up. Coach. Exactly, and um, yeah, well, especially, you know, I think we kind of uh, have just slightly, uh, you know, less tall players on the pitch. That also plays a factor. And I think maybe that also playing a factor is, you know, not a Miles Robinson in this match. Uh, Maybe he could have at least put up a, a little bit more of a, a fight with Zimmerman. Although to be fair second. with Joseph,
0: Joseph has about as much rise as anybody on the team. He does, so but he it is
1: difficult it when, yeah, if you're being impeded, then you can't even rise up to get us. Because then, someone's
0: hands are pushing you in the back.
1: Right, but uh, yeah, eventually he gets a toe poke and uh, it's a great moment for them uh, in terms of Nashville fans, all uh, 20,000 that were there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I wasn't there,
0: so I don't know how many were there.
1: Just kidding. But um, it was
0: more than they said there was. That yeah,
1: service. but it really did did feel like that. But uh, but anyway, so uh, in terms of, uh, you know, our winner, then, uh, yeah, it, it gets to a point where, um, you know, open play wasn't really quite happening for us. Uh, so you know, on a corner. Uh, Barco swings it in, there's a little bit of confusion whether, uh, you know, there's a suspicion of offside, a flag goes up, national stop, pretty much, and then Emerson-Hyneman, yeah, I mean, he takes oh, it on yes. his chest, and then, whoo, wow. Husky. Who knew that was in his locker? I did
0: not know he had, I mean, I knew he could score a goal, but yeah. I didn't know he could do that. That's, that's, dare I say, one of the best goals in Atlanta United's history, in terms of yeah. just the technique. No one's done that before. So, yeah, that was tasty. And I think, as far as the offside flag goes, they put the offside flag up, dropped it back down really quickly, which irritated the Nashville players, but I believe it was a Nashville player that played it backwards, which is why yes. the goal wasn't chalked off for offside, because I was quite confused at first watching it, because you yeah. have loads of TVs in the sports books, but none of them are like really big and really close, so I was trying to figure out, I couldn't tell if he had played it backwards with his foot or not, and I was like, okay, I guess we're offside, but. Yeah,
1: and then, of course, also, uh, if you're in the stadium, you also saw that the stadium didn't even put up the second goal on the uh, the uh, scoreboard at all until like we really. Like we, they kicked off again, and so it was a little bit confusing for a lot of people. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely, yeah, Heinemann He even mentioned afterwards uh, that this was the best score uh, goal that he scored uh, in his career. So
0: yeah, I'd probably say so.
1: I would say so. It's, I mean, hard, it's, to, it's
0: hard to top one like that.
1: Yeah, I, I think yeah, he hits more it, of that, please. Yeah, he hits it just so true and, and sweet. It's just yeah, so. It's tasty. But uh, but there uh, is a uh, another moment. Uh, um, that's we should talk about and that's not the the injury quite yet cuz we'll definitely get into that but Can I just
0: say before you even <laughs> talk about what moment this is and we all know what it is yeah. i am less sh- i was less sh- i'm still shocked to think it's stupid but having watched that official ref that whole game he was Trash from minute one. Let a lot of fouls Let happen. A before. lot of ha- both ways, mind you. Yeah. But the teams were kicking the shit out of each other, and yeah. he should have booked players earlier on for some very cynical fouls, I think, and he didn't. And then you get to this moment, and he really poos the bet.
1: Yeah, and so uh, well, I mean, someone argue, yeah, someone argue that he did it by the letters of the law, uh, but yeah, Joe Willis, <laughs> I'm not saying that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't fully agree, but anyway, let's get to what happened first. Uh, so yeah, there's uh, a moment, definitely very very late, where yeah, I mean, we're in stoppage time. Joe Willis, he's come up uh, to uh, basically try to stop Barco from getting a uh, counter, and then he. Kind of uh, r- really uh, yeah, kind of blasted with his body first, and then Barco uh, gets it again though, and he takes a shot from about 45 yards. Willis decides to use his hands in a uh, blocking his face type of motion, and uh, yeah, somehow makes a great save. Makes a great save about outside of the box, 30 yards from his box, and uh, Joe Willis, uh, yeah, is only given. A yellow for this um, and I think a lot of people freaked out about it on social media and when we were all seeing it it's like yeah I mean uh, how is he on the pitch but according to uh, Howard Webb kind of the pro referees and, and all that he pretty much said that because there were uh, two defenders behind him. It wasn't dog so and that every time if it was in this type of situation, it would still only be a yellow. Uh, depending you know, it doesn't even matter like what uh, you know if it's a goalkeeper or a defender, it's still only a yellow if there's pretty much cover behind that. Now you could argue if uh, Bargo, Barco his uh, the trajectory of the ball, uh, from 45 yards out, could hit the back of the net. But we didn't
0: know because he stopped it so quickly. It's true. I mean, here's the my- angle
1: is a bit uh, yeah, difficult to tell. Most of the video um, is pretty much like a 10 to 15 yard view but there is this view of uh, over the top from behind natural's goal. And I mean, if you look at the trajectory, it's looking like at least it's going in the direction of it. It's just a matter of, yeah, the the two defenders that are behind.
0: I don't think the two defenders mean anything. and here's why first off, yeah, they get there. yeah. Um, <laughs> if so say it was a, he says if a defender did the same thing, okay? If the goalkeeper thought and a defender does the same thing, the defender's getting a straight red card every single time. Every single time. And he knows that this, this, this excuse from Howard Webb is typical of pro and it's absolutely nonsense in my opinion, because you don't, oh, it might not have been going into the goal. Well, we don't know because the goalkeeper intentionally used his hands, something he cannot do. There was complete intent to deny Barco the chance of even scoring a goal. And don't say that the defenders were back. The defenders weren't in the box. They weren't standing on the goal line. This could have gone straight over their heads straight over their heads. Mm-hmm. But the goalkeeper intentionally used his hands to prevent the ball from heading towards the goal while outside of the box. How that's not a red card is beyond me. I don't think Dogzo even comes into it. It's not in the spirit of the game, and this opens up a dangerous can of worms. Oh, so you can use your hands to block the ball now, maybe as long as there is a person behind you because it maybe might not, who knows, have gone in the goal. I mean
1: yeah, no, it's, a, it's a very slippery slope It's so slope, weak for sure. from pro.
0: And it's infuriating because Howard Rev has to do this because he can't go out on day one and say, my ref messed up. His ref messed up, but it's something that you see so many dubious decisions continue to be made in MLS. This is not the only one. And there, you sit there scratching your head going, why? I get that the laws of the game are a bit confusing at times. Look no further than the Premier League this year. It's been ridiculous with VAR. Yeah, and that's but what I'm saying. This is. is stupid, though. You cannot use your hands, and you can't do it intentionally, and you damn sure can't do it when someone's trying to take a, a shot on goal. So, he wasn't passing it. We know that. He was shooting it. Mm-hmm. He used his hand. Red. End of discussion.
1: Well, uh, you know, pro referees disagrees, they, yeah. Uh, so, in terms of that, uh, is this something that we would like to see Uh, Change going forward, if this is the call that they want to go with, uh, I think we would say absolutely. Because I mean, if it, even if Brad Guzan did this, I think, I think most of us would be like, yeah, red card. I mean, uh, yeah, and Willis. I mean, if you saw the look on his face, he knew he was gone. He, Willis,
0: knew he was gone.
1: He had this flushed look where it was just like, I'm in trouble, but oh, somehow I got away with this. I'm just gonna walk away from the scene of the crime. And uh yeah, I mean it, it's a very kind of agitating situation of course and uh, yeah, I mean let us know if you agree with it in the comments below but you know
0: everyone's going to have
1: their opinion I think of this because it didn't
0: make a difference in the result it but it's just like like you said the precedent it sets is bad and it just looks stupid.
1: All right. But uh, anyway, so getting to the I think biggest moment in this match. I think well the the second biggest biggest moment is also Franco Escobar going aw- off at halftime pretty much Um, yeah he didn't return in the second half Um, it was it apparently it seemed to be uh, a little bit of a knock and uh, the extent of it is still unknown but uh, the biggest moment is definitely Jose Martinez going down in a heap uh, the first time Um, yeah he goes knee to knee essentially with the defender Uh, it seems a little innocuous but not really. I mean, really, if you go knee to knee, it is very painful. And he uh, immediately pointed to his knee. He was pretty much saying, "Yeah, it, something's something's a little iffy." But I think the warrior in him is like, "Okay, I'm," you know, he's off the pitch um, after a long time down, and then he comes back on, and then yeah, it's uh, yeah, he has to pretty much, you know, the the play has to stop. He gets stretchered off the field. And, um, you know, everybody in Five Strike Nation is completely worried. We just have no idea what the extent of it is. Um, the fact that he was able to put a little bit of weight on it uh, after he was stretchered off to be able to walk off into the locker room, I think, is uh, what gave, you know, a lot of fans a little bit of glimmer of hope. And, but, and then that came crashing down
0: the next day. Unfortunately.
1: But, uh, so. But in terms of this match, though, uh, you know, pretty much after Jose Martinez came off, we had had to hold on for dear life. It was pretty much, um, yeah, John came on, uh, looked good at times in terms of the hold-up play, but I think the uh, combination play in terms of him running in behind after he lays it off, uh, yeah, it's just a little bit uh, maybe not up to speed as maybe like a Jose Martinez would in terms of, uh, you know, what we expect from a a striker at LA United. Uh, and so it's, uh, yeah, you know, it just, we're, we're really uh, struggling to, um, really, I think, um, get something going, going forward. So the really last 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's really all Nashville pretty much. So a little bit, little bit rough. Uh, we're trying to see out the match, and we do, thankfully, two-one. Uh, we get our first opening day win, but I think, uh, yeah, you know, at what cost at what cost indeed. But uh, one positive that came out of this is uh, Lawrence White getting his MLS debut. Who didn't even think that he was going to be starting. He came in for Escobar. Um, I think he had uh, a decent time, although I think. Uh, when guys were kind of going at him, going to the byline, he was maybe kind of got beat for pace a little bit. But uh, overall, I mean, yeah, he still shepherded us out into a 2-1 win. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, g- congrats to the to the kid for, uh, yeah, getting his first MLS match. But, uh, yeah, getting into uh, some of the, you know, attendance things that were said before... Uh, CEO Ian Ian Ayer uh, said that there were probably going to be 1,500 Atlanta United fans uh, that were going to be at the match, and uh, I just don't think that (laughs) 1,500 jives at all. Uh, There were 59,069 people there, uh, according to uh, Nashville, and so in terms of the percentage who really knows but uh i think it is definitely much higher than 1500 maybe you add another zero maybe
0: you maybe you add another, that and then times it by two
1: possibly but uh yeah because i mean just the surrounding areas that we were at there were a lot of atlanta united fans i mean i think nashville had their supporter section and i think they, they had their opposing goal in as well in terms of Nashville fans but beyond that you could see just the smattering of yellow now, the problem is, is, uh, you know, how do you really kind of quantify how many Atlanta United fans are actually there?
0: And it's cold, so people are wearing overcoats
1: Exactly. And you can't see uh, that, plus you can't, uh, you didn't, they didn't do a survey, they didn't do a little, like, uh, check something, N- nothing. So it really is, uh, it's really anybody's guess, but, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely way more than, way more than 15,000, but... Anyway, so That's good for Atlanta Nations. It yeah, exactly. Big travel. It's a it's a great. Uh, I think it, I think it could be a record probably for uh, an away crowd in MLS. Um, and I just wish that, that you could
0: somehow get a massive chunk and put them all together in the same place. Yeah. Just because that generated a lot of noise, although it probably wouldn't look good if it was just as many people as you said. It's like they probably didn't want It looked that. like a half-and-half half college football game or something like that. For but sure, yeah. I think this is a game, you know, I, I, was on, I wasn't able to make it to this one, but it's something that I think next season I'd like to do. And I feel like this, as well as Charlotte, with both being only four hours away, could be in a way that... After the initial novelty of going away where it's all for some people, you'd still, I think, have a few thousand people traveling to this every single time, which is really great for both the sport and the rivalries between those two cities in the future because you have to have big aways. And, you know, unfortunately, they have to wait until next year because MLS is stupid, but I can't wait for Nashville to come to Atlanta. And it sounds like there was a lot of hospitality and everything exchanged so for them to come here and experience the same, except there will only be
1: 1,500 of them at that game. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well... (laughs) So, uh, anyway, let's get into some of the post-match quotes. Uh, FTB talked about Franco Escobar. He said he got knocked on his side and he felt already something there. Another moment he felt a little bit more, so then we didn't want to take the risk to continue. I don't know if it's the same as Miles Robinson, but it looks like uh, a little bit like it, but maybe not so high. Miles Robinson had it really high on his side, so... Uh, that we have to wait, you know, we have to wait for MRI or something like that. Um, and then, of course, he talked about Joseph saying he doesn't look really, really well, uh, but he doesn't want to say anything about it. We have to examine him uh, tomorrow in the hospital and to get a good opinion about it. So, yeah, to wrap up this match, uh, in terms of the man of the match... I think it's got to be Emerson Hyman with the game winner, right? With a
0: goal of that quality, you kind of put your name on the on the man of the match award for that, right. because That was that was something special, indeed, indeed.
1: But uh, yeah, so you know, a very bittersweet opening day, and just uh, it gets to where yeah we talk about the just really really bad news that we all didn't want to hear. So getting into the news, yeah, Jose Martinez, uh, yes, tears his right acl and uh yeah in terms of the severity of it it is not known yet there uh the surgery date will be to be determined so it's just a matter of a wait and see at this moment um but in terms of uh yeah jose martinez he spoke on tuesday Uh, after, yeah, like everybody was just well-wishing him, he said uh, that, yeah, he just really uh, appreciated all the the words, he read all the words, and uh, it's, you know, really keeping him going in this kind of really difficult time, and so, uh, you know, I think we all just wish him, you know, the absolute best in the recovery, however long it is, because that's, yeah, that's the difficult part. It's the weird thing, yeah. You don't really know how severe the tear is. Well, if there's as long as the tear, other,
0: if it's just the ACL, yeah, but hopefully it's just the ACL. If it's others, yeah, that's the problem.
1: Right, and so you don't know how long uh, you know, that recovery point is if you know, it's severe, more severe than that, so.
0: I think for a lot of people, and that's the weird thing, is that you usually have, um, I don't know there's been posts about it, some people say, you know, it's two to eight month recovery. First off, the two is when you start walking again. Um, after that, it really depends on the individual because, you know, you had Giorgio Chiellini, was it Chiellini or was it Chiellini. Benucci? Chiellini for Juventus that tore that towards ACL at the beginning of the season in Serie A, and he started recently playing again in February, so that was about six, seven months time. Um, alternatively, you have someone like Jordan Morris. It took him almost really 12 months to really get going. He played at the end of last season, but he wasn't fully fit. Right. And so it can take a long time like that. And sometimes depending on the rehab, you know, you can find yourself in that six to seven month time frame, but and I mean, you still gotta wait you for never the, know.
1: Right. And uh, you still gotta wait for the swelling to uh, really go yeah. down before the surgery happens. Which so
0: it'll probably be at the end of this week or early next week, right. hopefully.
1: And so and then it's just a scheduling thing and I'm sure that he'll get the best healthcare possible. Yeah. Whoever the
0: best surgeon is, it's always I feel like Doctor Andrews or whatever with sports guys and it's yeah, just like whatever. Maybe, yeah. Whoever the best one is is be like, Hey, Arthur, not not You'll find the best guy. Right. Indeed. you fix this quickly. Correct.
1: But uh, but in terms of uh yeah, like just another just heartfelt moment though, Mikel Mirón, he scored for Newcastle in the FA Cup uh Two today on goals, Tuesday. Two great goals. But uh yeah, he pays tribute to Jose Martinez, his hermano. And uh man, it's just it starts to just get tears and Oh my God, it just really hits you right in the feels. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of harkens back to Joseph Martinez in the CCL match doing it to him as well. Uh, I believe there was a um, a person on Twitter, I think Julie MC uh, with some other numbers that uh, pitched, uh, you know, I think the, um, you know, doing for Joseph where we would just point to him in the stands. Unfortunately, that now is. Sadly, not an option anymore, but um, yeah, I mean, just the, the timeline, um, yeah, is really to be determined, so we shall see, though. Um, in terms of what Frank De Boer has uh, said, in terms of uh, what uh, Joseph's uh, importance to the team, he's, he said, uh, everybody knows that Joseph, when he's in form, he's the best in MLS. Uh, in training, you see the quality, it's going to be a big loss. Uh, DeBoer also said, we have to search and not make a hasty decision. If he's ruled out, there's a good possibility that we're looking at uh, the market for a replacement. He said this after uh, in the post-match press conference. Uh, He also talked about Adam John. Uh, He's important. He knows his quality. I know he can also score goals. Ezekiel Barco also talked about uh, that... Uh, yeah, PT and I are also used to playing behind Joseph, but occasionally we are up there with him. We are comfortable with that. We will see what the coaching staff asks of us. We will do whatever coaching staff. We will do whatever the coaching staff asks us to do. And uh, I mean, it may come to that where they may have to, uh, you know, see PT play as a false nine or PT and Barco play up top and. Uh, I mean, it would just be really interesting what Frank DeBoer decides to do. Because really, at this point, there's infinite options. But uh, what will be the best for the team is really... Yeah, we'll see what uh, the results and the performance can be when uh, he switches it up. But uh, in terms of what we have uh, kind of available, we do have a senior roster spot. We do have an international spot. Uh, the window for MLS is open until May 5th. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the secondary transfer window also opens up from July 7th to August 5th. Uh, I don't know if we want to wait that long. I think, uh, yeah, the team has uh, said and kind of alluded, uh, especially I think uh, Rob Osri has mentioned, that uh, they believe that a move will be done in this window uh, before May 5th. So... Uh yeah, I mean in terms of uh the possibilities, in terms of the MLS structure and all that, it's convoluted, it's complicated, but uh, yeah, in terms of if uh he is going to miss the entire season, if we do put him on the injury reserve, then uh it opens it up for you know that roster spot for one. Um uh, in terms of uh yeah, kind of GAM and TAM, we get credit of up to 250000 in terms of GAM, uh, in terms of a budget charge. Uh, unfortunately, that new player cannot exceed what Joseph Martinez can make. So yes, we cannot bring in another DP. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of that, is it the right way to maybe put him on injury reserve? Uh, is it too early to maybe put him on injury reserve? I think yes. Because, Especially with someone
0: like Joseph. If, if anyone yeah. was going to make a recovery in six, seven months and be back playing, it would be him.
1: Absolutely, yeah. He's a guy that, I mean, you you have to pry him off the field, obviously. He still tried to play with that ACL tear, and, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just speaks volumes of what type of player he is. Um, and... Yeah, I think something to note, uh, so it's not so doom and gloom, is that, yes, Joseph Martinez did miss several months in the 2017 campaign. Obviously, Tito did uh, kind of, um, yeah, spell him in that time and did really quite well. Um, yeah, I know. And so that's where a lot of people were like, yes, Tito was sold to Libertad, and now we don't really have anybody that is like as close to uh, what Joseph could offer, that he was probably, the closest guy, at least on the roster, and then maybe in the league, uh, maybe not quite, but somewhere where you could replicate some of that quality. But, uh, of course, Miggy also missed around kind of six to eight weeks in 2017, uh, and then three to four weeks in 2018. And then Dante Nagby, another big player, missed... A few months in 2018, yeah, it seemed like it was like, yeah, yeah like half a season almost, because uh, yeah, we made do without him somehow, uh, and then when he came back, it was just like, oh, what a, what a godsend it was. But and then of course Barco missed parts of 2019, so oh. we're not averse to this type of uh, you know kind of setback, and but, but at the
0: same time, <laughs> it is Joseph Martinez is where Jose
1: Martinez. yeah, it's as prolific as he's been in 2017 we didn't really know exactly uh, how prolific he actually has been because it was we had about two months of him and we knew that he was scoring at a really crazy rate but you know we were still building the team around more of a miggy and um you know we had uh you know yamil Assad and tito to really spell that but uh, now this is definitely a team that's built around jose martinez uh, but in terms of maybe who could be brought in, in terms of why uh, and how and all of that, there are uh, you know, oh, man. things being floated out there by writers, and one of them is CBS's Roger Gonzalez. He said, hint at a possible striker that could be brought in uh, by Atlanta United. Europe-based has won it all. You could speculate so many of these sweet
0: that is not down in it down it really hasn't
1: uh and the definition of one and all is it world cup is it champions league it's a little bit strange uh maybe like the wording so uh you know who really knows in that respect so yeah i mean it's difficult to speculate exactly who but uh one of them that he did mention that he uh thinks that LA United should have gone for before the other bit of news that came out after that was that uh, Daniel Sturridge, of course, of Liverpool, and previously, yeah, he was a player for Chelsea as well. Um, and
0: City, so he can complete the trifecta of exactly. teams I don't like.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, his best season was uh, 22 goals and 9 assists uh, with Liverpool in 2013-14 season. <laughs> that was a funny season yeah where yeah unfortunately yeah, they didn't they didn't win but uh yeah and so um the problems here not only because his salary probably would be very high and that uh if he would accept a lower salary or not uh to play in mls and kind of really be a stopgap really maybe or if he even uh you know um was a stopgap and then maybe played on the wing which he has before Can he stay healthy? Yeah, that's my
0: thing. Is you know why his best (laughs) season was in 2013, seven seven years ago? It's because he's been hurt the whole time since then. Yeah, I mean he's had a. We're not going to bring a striker to play for an injured striker who's just going to be injured the whole time.
1: Exactly. I mean, just going through his injury history in the past three to four years: toe, uh, a knock, a muscle injury, calf muscle, thigh muscle, groin, Achilles, uh, fitness, unknown injuries, hamstrings, hip. Uh, calf uh, I mean it's just you know it's a, it's a litany of injuries really at this point but uh, why he was floated was because his contract was terminated by uh, Turkish side Poor. and uh, yeah I mean <laughs> all that was well and fine but then he was slapped with a uh, four month suspension uh, for yeah he essentially uh, was uh, maybe doing some some you know Gambling
0: and some P-Rising. P-Rising.
1: So uh anyway, so uh yeah, in terms of that, he's a 30-year-old as well. I mean, it's just a, a guy that probably just doesn't really fit uh kind of the idea of what we want per se, because transgressions, injury history, maybe not the, the right guy. Um uh, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, in terms of uh, yeah, I mean, if it would even be able to to happen like a um, a deal, you know, you kind of it would have been better as a loan deal because uh, now it costs more. Even though he's on a free, yeah, wages and all. Yeah, yeah. you have to pay the full thing. So um, and also uh, because of that that ban, it's. Well, you know, MLS isn't exactly directly sanctioned by FIFA. There is that indirect of USSF and then CONCACAF and CONCACAF is governed by FIFA. So, uh, yeah, I mean, whether he's really able to be brought in, he can probably not. Um, another kind of wacky transfer rumor was Quincy Amaroqua, uh previously of D.C. United. Kind of a, a strange rumor to begin with uh Apparently, yeah, from uh, MLS News, the Instagram account, uh, yeah, I kind of uh, did some digging and apparently he was DM'd to post that rumor, which is interesting to begin with. And yeah, so in terms of the plausibility, it seemed like Ameriqua actually DM'd MLS News to actually make that happen. Uh, to make that rumor of him being at least uh, uh, rumored to Atlanta United. So, yeah, a little bit uh, strange to begin with, uh, and I think it's just pretty implausible. Um, The only thing that's out there in terms of sources is that uh, his entity himself, Perfect Soccer Skills, has uh, floated that uh, Atlanta United should sign Quincy America. So uh, I would pour a lot of cold water all over that one. Uh, uh, strange one, definitely. Uh, but yeah, also MLSoccer.com. They floated ten targets that uh, LA United should and could go for. Uh, amongst them, Carlos Baca Olivier Giroud, Class Jan Huntelaar. Uh, a little bit more into the obscure it, with uh, Vedad Ibisevic. Uh, Fernando Caranga Henrique Dorado Duckins in the Zone Salomon Rondon Sebastian Soto and of course Sturge. of those do any kind of uh, interest you
0: I mean the ones that jump off the I think there's three that kind of jump right out at you um, in terms of the two that I like the most, I'd love to have a Solomon Rondon, but I just don't think that's possible for a numerous number of just reasons. Of He plays for a Chinese club. We'd have to get him on loan. The fees would still be prohibitive. He's still going to go away on Copa America. The Chinese club would then want him back. Also, coronavirus. Yeah. And he's been in Spain for a while because they can't go back. Um, Olivia Giroud but he's been playing a lot for Chelsea recently and I don't see him leaving I mentioned the quality of the league would probably be called into question for, for him making the Euros and I think for me the most likely is possibly a Carlos Baca I mean yes he's a bit older and a bit past but I think he's the type of player that maybe if you can get him on lower wages you might take a flower on him
1: yeah especially yeah with a Baca it seems like you know if uh, we can kind of Uh, kind of entice him with the lure of winning stuff and winning trophies Uh, he could be a guy that yeah I think plays similar to that style that we would want Uh, and maybe on the kind of downside of uh, his career yeah he really wants to be you know getting that kind of milking whatever uh, out of his career that he can Uh, yeah and the Klaus Jan Huntelar. I mean...
0: He's 36 and slow. We yeah. already have someone who's old and slow.
1: Yeah, and so, well, I mean, you know, uh, I think Adam John does deserve, I think, more. Well, yeah, that, he but, is, he
0: is. I mean, he has yeah, a job, yeah. but we're not trying to... We need a striker who's pacey and can run him behind teams. Exactly. Klaus Jan Huntelar, ain't it my guy.
1: Definitely not. But, uh, yeah, and so I think uh, I agree. I mean, that's... uh, Yeah, of those names, Baca is one of those guys that uh, kind of fits more of the M.O. in terms of at least playing style. Um, In terms of, uh, yeah... Maybe other ones that have been floated, Felipe Cardenas tweeted that he had a buddy of his float the idea of Josh Sargent. I'd be down for that. uh, Of Werder Bremen, US Youth National 20-year-old guy, right, but he's not getting a lot of time with Bremen. And so it's uh, one of those things where could we kind of bring him on Bremen are also
0: hopeless. They're going down this year. Yeah, but
1: I I think though, uh, will he match the playing style? Can he get up to speed? Uh, what is it exactly that United uh, need a you know, a guy that is still going to have to figure out and be taught a lot of the, um, the playing style and tactics that we want? And even or... for him,
0: just coming back from Europe, help you right now in your career path.
1: Right. Would he do it? And also, is this actually, um, you know, would he actually even help us to a degree where he's ready? He's ready to. I mean, that's a question as well. But, uh, yeah, Extra Time Radio also has mentioned the likes of guys like Mason Toy and Christian Ramirez, two uh, Minnesota United kind of connected type of guys. Of course, Christian Ramirez now plays for Houston Dynamo uh, and previously, of course, LAFC. But, uh, yeah, Mason Toy, yeah, kind of a pretty large dude but can uh, get in behind. Uh, Scored, I believe, six goals in uh, about 17 games. So, not too bad, he was a 2018 Super Draft pick. Uh, Ramirez, yeah, kinda has, uh, fits a little bit of the MO in that he's kinda played as a second striker a lot, and he's, um, in terms of, you know, a history, he's had, uh, yeah, 14 goals for Minnesota United in uh, 2017. So, yeah, has scored double-digit goals at least in the past three years, uh, or four years, I guess, in this respect. Yeah, man, The years are just quickly going by, but um, yeah, I mean, of those guys, uh, Christian Ramirez, I mean, yeah, interesting. Uh, you just know,
0: trading inside the league and that might cost you a bit more because exactly. seems that you need somebody.
1: And whether they would actually do that or not is, uh, I think, pretty doubtful. I think uh, MLS kind of loans or trades. Yeah, I mean, it's just, but, uh, but Ramirez could, uh, yeah, I mean, play a different part uh, for the team as well. After, uh, after some comes back, he could play on the wing or just uh, be on the, the, you know, on the bench or uh, decide to move on. But it could be intriguing for him to maybe try to win stuff. Um, yeah, another player, Danny Hosen with the Earthquakes. uh Frant de has spoken highly of him before. He, of course, managed him at Ajax as well. So, I mean, a guy that has a connection, but whether, uh, yeah, the Earthquakes would be willing to trade him to us is probably a little Unless. less likely. Um, yeah, and then, you know, the Argentine League, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we can go in for some of the, uh, the guys that we've probably scouted before, uh, but maybe didn't ever feel the need to actually go after because jose martinez has been prolific uh but you know there's plenty of backup strikers that maybe aren't getting enough time their schedule kind of works out in relation to ours that um you know it might uh end at a point where we can bring someone in pretty easily in that respect um yeah maybe some someone from there to look out for but uh all in all i mean it's just uh there's we're going to be scouring probably and being offered a bunch of players, uh, being linked to a bunch of players. Yeah, it's going to be silly season all over again. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, it could be fun, sure, silly season, but I mean, God.
0: Now nah, the conditions are on this one. <laughs> Make it suck.
1: <laughs> For sure. But anyway, so um, yeah, uh, moving on from that, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with Nashville as they suffered a tornado uh, early Tuesday morning. Uh, really, really just devastating to see because, I mean, not only uh, were we just there or I was just there with uh, just meeting wonderful, wonderful people in the Southern hospitality that they uh, gave us was just i mean uh just unparalleled and um yeah so in terms of uh the di- disaster relief we'll leave a description uh link in, uh, below that you can uh consider donating if you are able to and um yeah i mean it's just well wishes to all of them because i mean that's just no one wants to see that so um but moving on from that, LA United will face Club America. Uh, this is news from last week, but we didn't get to cover it because it was uh, after we had shot Five Stripe Weekly. Uh, yeah, that first leg is March 11th at 10:30 p.m. Eastern. This bugs me a whole lot because it's just one of those annoying kind of kickoffs that I mean, could they just like you know push it a little bit even slightly earlier for them? I mean, if they even kicked off at like 5:30 or 6:30. I think they could do it but man yeah 1030 for most people I question how many people are actually going to be able to stay up to watch the entire thing but uh, yeah that second match is at uh, or the second match yes is at um, Fifth Third Bank Stadium March 18th uh, much more palatable time for us sort of slightly 815 still pretty late yeah, um, okay. I'm getting let that day so that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and of course though that March 11th match will be at Estadio Azteca which factor uh mentioned um, in the media that, yeah, he, uh, not only has he not been able to play there as a player or as a coach, but, uh, you know, for him to not be able to uh, play there before or coach there, he's, yeah, very much looking forward to it, and he will uh, kind of relish coaching at Estadio Teca, Azteca, one of the biggest stadiums in the world, and, Terms of atmospheres I'm sure is uh yeah definitely one of the best in North America definitely one of the best in the world for sure too but um yeah in terms of uh maybe why we're playing at Fifth Third Bank Stadium there another reason came out and that uh yeah uh, AJC pretty much mentioned that the lights were the reason that Atlanta United couldn't play at Bobby Dodd Stadium which is huh yeah, it's very very strange. Yeah, the lights, the lights. So I guess the lights around the stadium, in terms of like for, the traffic
0: lights or the stadium lights, for the
1: stadium lights. I guess for the um, yeah the dormitories around the the stadium and whatnot. Apparently that's kind of an issue, in that, yeah, it would disturb a lot of the the people that uh, go to school there, and so we.
0: Play games there at night when they had school there.
1: Yeah, but I think nowadays it's uh, because of the, you know, we don't have a contract with them already. It's a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a, uh, you know, they have to finagle a lot more, probably pay a lot more money to actually make it happen. And so that's the difficulty there. And it it sucks. I mean, that's like, it seems like a pretty frivolous reason, maybe. And uh, yeah. It's
0: pretty lame tech. Yep. Pretty lame.
1: Anyway, so. Uh, moving on from that, 5:38. They uh they gave LA United a nine percent chance to win MLS Cup. This was obviously before the Jose Martinez injury. LAFC at 24 percent, Inter Miami at five percent. Should our expectations lower uh, for MLS Cup, uh, for CCL, for I know, mean CCL?
0: I don't think we ever really we're gonna win that if we're being proven even at full fitness. I think. Well, yeah, just could have beaten you know a couple of it, an outside tours, but it, it was it was going to be tough. Yeah, um, MLS Cup, I would. I'm kind of surprised that our chances were at nine percent to begin with. Um, I think that's a bit underrated. Um, I would put them at nine percent, maybe now without Joseph. I think without with Joseph, you have to put that at at least like fifteen. To have LFC at twenty four, I mean, yeah, they're good, but like that is overwhelming favors. I'm, by the way, side thing, I'm terrible at gambling, as I learned in Las Vegas. Like, I lose if I bet on something, I lose. So, I bet on LAFC to win MLS Cup. So, I win money or they lose. So, either way, I win. Um but, Yeah. And, <laughs> fuck him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you lose about Just at Joseph Martinez, of course your chances are going to go down. But, who knows? If he gets fit and we make the playoffs and he's back in time for the playoffs, who knows mm. what could happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely, we have to lower the actual expectations, but in terms of the plausibility, I think there is still plausibility as long as we, I think, uh, make the right moves in kind of replacing the production. And also, yeah, it's on Frank DeBoer and the players to also supplant some of those goals that will be missing. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, Joseph Martinez, I think, accounted for about like 38 uh, out of or no, what is it like? Yes, it's like almost four out of ten of our goals in our entire history, uh, franchise history, which is a bit outrageous. Uh, but makes sense, you know, makes sense. Uh, he has been so prolific; oh, we have been playing through him. Well, he so. was
0: going to hit a hundred goals this year in, in the league. It would have taken him four seasons. It took Bradley like, Phillips like seven.
1: Yeah. Well. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah. Moving on from that uh, in. Atlanta United-related news, Justin Miriam, he was subbing on for Real Salt Lake uh, against Orlando City, and the PA announcer went in on him and kind of pretty much allowed the other, uh, allowed the Atlanta fans to kind of jeer him and boo him, and I mean, I think the, you know, just the stark difference between Atlanta United fans and Orlando City fans in terms of Uh, Well, at least we have something
0: to make us happy. They've experienced nothing but misery and defeat and saltiness. Indeed.
1: But speaking of another Orlando City, uh, former Orlando City player... uh, Who
0: actually won things with Atlanta United. Right. Right.
1: But uh, Breck Shea, he has signed with Fort Lauderdale CF. That's Inter-Miami's USL side. Good luck to him. Good dude. Just uh, really unfortunate that... uh, Yeah, he... Suffered, yeah, the same injury that uh, Martinez has. But uh, good luck to him. And, yeah, I think he's firmly on the USL side of this, not uh, signing with Inter-Miami. Maybe maybe that's more his level this year, but uh, we'll see when he comes back. Good luck to him. Uh, Anyway, that does it for the news. And that gets us to our buy or sell segment. And basically, we put up an Alien United topic, and we say if we buy or sell it and give our reasons why. First topic, Atlanta United will score 50 goals this season. We scored 58 in 2019. by ourselves.
0: Um, hmm. I'm, I'm going to buy that we score 50. Because yes, you lose Joseph Martinez, but I just had this gut feeling that both PT and Barker are going to step up and score more goals. I think it's going to force the rest of the team to step up and score more goals. And I think the team, while yes, you're not going to get someone to replace his 20 goals, I think you can find someone that maybe scores, you, you know, eight to 10. And then if everyone else steps up, you're looking at it. I think that with Joseph Martinez, yes, you can rely upon him to score your goals, and he is going to score them. But now the team has to do more. And I think that the talent is there collectively to get to 50. Hmm. Um, obviously, you'd like for them to score more. But if they can get to 50, I think they'll be in a good place.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I hope they do. But I mean, That's less
0: than two goals a game. so
1: Sure. Uh, I hope they do, but I think, yeah, we're going to have to be eking out a little bit more of a 1-0 type wins uh, this season. I think, yeah, I mean, you have PT Barco, who you would hope and expect to uh, score more than uh, they have previously. They do have to step up, obviously, and kind of match their uh, big transfer fees now in terms of in product for sure. Uh, I think, yeah, if both of them get double digits, uh, it's still, yeah, I mean, you see the likes of maybe Hossetto, uh maybe Adam John, kind of get at least near the 10 mark. Uh, that would definitely help.
0: Hindman can get you maybe yeah. five to eight.
1: Yeah, and so in that respect, I think I think just slightly, so I think I sell it, I think we're at like a 45. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, we. Get some goals chipped in by maybe Mulraney, maybe Brooks, uh, Lennon, maybe, um, and maybe some from some defenders. I think, yeah, we can at least supplant that and, you know, kind of see a more, unfortunately, kind of 1-0 type of wins. But uh, next topic is that LA United can still win the East. This is via Tim Lim 1776.
0: Uh, so I don't think we can win the. I thought it was going to be a tough task to win the East anyway with him and without him. I still think Atlanta China can be the playoffs, but winning the East, nah, that's out for me. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, I, I sell as well, uh, but yeah, there is that uh, sort of outside chance in that we can uh, in this MLS kind of uh, sphere where anything can happen. I mean, you've seen the likes of uh, you know Seattle and Portland make like late deep runs uh, into uh, MLS Cup and stuff like that, and where they, um, yeah, you know, they can kind of leapfrog a lot of teams. And so I think something could happen in that respect if we are able to have all things click, and if we are able to find some sort of fill-in striker that can bang in a few more goals, then that would, you know, put my buy or sell in terms of, uh, you know, under 50 goals. If that can not, you know, be under 50, that'd be great. So, uh, that could actually, yeah, kind of boost us even further. So, uh, anyway, that does it for buy or sell. And we have another, we have, well, the same giveaway. And so, check out this video. Kits on Scarves Up. The Atlanta United Block Party, presented by Bullet Bourbon, returns on Friday, March 6th taking over the Summerhill neighborhood for ATL's biggest open street celebration of all things Atlanta United. Get your tickets today, link in the description below. A portion of event proceeds benefits soccer in the streets and the organized neighbors of Summerhill organizations. Check out the third annual Atlanta United Block Party. And make sure to get in on it You can check out the description box below for the details. Anyway, let's get into the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. So first question comes from Keaton Thomas, 61. Could PT and Barco be used in a two-striker system if we had to?
0: It's interesting. I mean, I think you'd have to kind of... They'd have to really come to an understanding about who is going to be playing in the striker role because... My concern there would be that both of them would be trying to find space, and none of them, neither of them would be making that run in behind or playing mm-hmm. as an out-and-out out nine. Um, it could be interesting, but I think it would take a lot of work for them, and you'd also have to need guys like Josetto and Hindman to be running past them and running into the box. You'd have to have your midfielders be getting in to help create and score goals as yeah. well if you were to run both of them up top.
1: Right, and does that expose your midfield? Does that expose you know uh, your defense when you have too many guys forward? Uh, maybe too often because, yeah, we're just trying to find goals from other places. Uh, Yeah, I mean, two up top, I think it really, it's affected by uh, the opposition of who we're playing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you could see it against maybe a team that's not very, maybe large at the back per se, and then you could also, um, yeah, maybe see that against kind of the lesser sides for sure. So, uh, next question comes from Sheaves77. Is Joseph's loss this year bigger than Almiron's loss last year? Very good question.
0: Well, I mean, I think with with Almiron, you knew you had P.T. Martinez coming in. Um, In terms of in 2018 when Almiron went down, um, was that 2018 that he went down before the playoffs? And Mm -hmm. he never really got fully fit, even in the MLS Cup. But I think Joseph this year will be a bigger loss at any point in time that Almiron went down. Because you still had Joseph. Mm -hmm. You still had someone that could score goals, although it took a bit more to get the ball to him. Now, your question is who's going to score your goals, and I think that's a much harder thing to figure out sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of, yeah, Miguel Miron, yes, that uh, PT Martinez, but also Ezekiel Barco, uh, very early on at least, was kind of really supplanting uh, that kind of role of, um, you know, the kind of uh, play going through him essentially. And so, uh, and plus you had, you know, Jonathan Nagby, a full year of him where. Uh, He was balling out. Um, I think in 2018, yeah, I mean, you didn't really have him. But then, uh, you know, you had almost... It was like Miggy or Nagby, almost, in that sense of, like, being able to run the play through them.
0: Neither were fit at the same time. Yeah,
1: neither were really fit at the same time for long periods, really, anyway. And uh, Joseph Martinez, yeah, I mean, we pretty much play through him nowadays, especially in the past two years. That's, yeah, a thing where we just... It's... Uh, it's going to be a large, large miss. I mean, like I said, like 40% of our goals, essentially, that's a large miss. Uh, next question comes from Tim Olim 1776 Who will lead us in goals this season? PT, Barco, rest of the team, new signing?
0: <sighs> I'm, I'm going to go... I'm going to go P.T. Martinez, simply because, and I posted this question on Twitter the other day as well, um, and it was, who does who takes the penalties now that Joseph is off penalties? Both Barco and P.T. are both very quality penalty takers, at least they have been in their past, but as far as Atlanta United goes, no one else has really been a solid penalty taker or a convincing penalty taker for Atlanta United. Um, that right there can get you you know, five to seven goals. So I'm gonna go PT Martinez. I just think that he's gonna score a lot of goals this year. He was gonna score a lot of goals anyway and if he's taking the penalties, I think he can put up a decent number. So I'm gonna go PC Martinez. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I think, well, yeah, Ezeko Barco hasn't really taken a penalty for us per se. Minus that weird uh,
0: shootout against...
1: Yeah but uh and yeah <laughs> that that was difficult uh, i think for most of them but uh but in terms of yeah i think yeah missing it in an official match pt martinez has Ezekiel barco hasn't per se because he hasn't really officially um and
0: he had that really bad penalty against toronto
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and so uh but in terms of i think yeah the you know, leading a goal scorer still has to be P.T. Martinez because uh, I think largely, all in all, um, he is the guy that will be probably more in the box. Um, you know, I think Barco kind of is more of that uh, build-up play, more so. Playmaker. Although, Yeah, playmaker. And so I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of if there was a false nine being played as well, I mean, P.T. Martinez is probably more of that guy. Um... Yeah, it's just, at, at this moment, he's the the guy that, uh, I mean, he has scored more goals than Ezekiel Barco has in uh, his career as well for LA United. It makes the most sense. Next question comes from Carlos P and also uh, some other similar questions from a uh, realtor for Hire73 and a few others. But uh, the question is, would Castro be ready for this Saturday? Yeah, I mean... Uh, He got his visa approved, but uh, even if he is kind of training with the team, uh, I really highly doubt that he's going to be able to start. Uh, If he sees some time, maybe it's like a few minutes, maybe some stoppage time or something like that, but I really highly doubt that he really sees significant time for a while because he hasn't really been training with the team. He hasn't even met the team, nor Frank Dupour, so I don't think that he's going to be really too... You know prevalent in the next two weeks until he really gets up to speed so i uh, agree yeah yeah i don't yeah <laughs> next question comes from arish valiani what formation does atlanta united maybe switch to with joseph's injury
0: Ooh, um that's a really tough one i mean you got to figure out what you're doing at the striker position i guess my gut feeling is that john will probably start this weekend against Cincinnati. Um, and, and also you know,
1: probably against uh, Club America. Yeah, and
0: then you'll have to figure it out, but I don't think it'll be like like this before. It won't be a quick search, I think, for that. They'll take their time to find that striker. Yeah. Um. Until then, you're probably going to keep doing a little bit of the same that you have been doing. You'll just... Have a different striker type guy. You'll have John playing with his back to goal more often, and you might see some more crosses into the box.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think it could also be like a you know proper three-five-two in that sense, where there are two strikers up top. Maybe it's a PT or a Barco playing off of John. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably PT. Yeah, and so you know in that respect, um, you know who or what uh, you know are there other players that could uh kind of come into the team that changes the formation i think well, it was the Sad other thing that, that hits Good. the
0: formation though is how bad the injury to franco escobar is Definitely. because if franco escobar is hurt long term i don't think atlanta can play three at the back because your only two fit center backs are going to be walks and Meza, which means you're going to have to play a back four which slides Lennon back to right back and is mulraney going to play as an out and out left back now I mean, because Escobar's injury hurts you in a way just as much as Josephs paired with Miles Robinson being out. Because now you're seeing not only the depth at striker, but the depth at centre back that you had a little bit more of last season, and this year you don't have. So centre back and right back, you're you're down to the bare bones, and so that's going to force your hand in what you can play as well. Although Jeff Lorenowitz could play center back, but...
1: Yeah, it leaves you even less deep in the midfield. In midfield, because
0: now you don't have a midfielder to bring on until Jose gets his freaking visa sorted.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you can bring in Mo Adams. You can bring in, um, yeah, I mean... uh, Mo Adams.
0: (laughs) That's it.
1: I mean, pretty much. That's it, yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) And so, yeah, it really, I think, uh, kind of harkens back to our... Uh, concerns earlier um, in kind of preseason of if this is kind of how deep we are we're 22 players deep yeah I mean you essentially uh, you have a couple injuries and this is where we are and so yeah very difficult uh, to get through an entire season that way even if you do rely on uh, the reserve squad it's yeah you're relying on a, a good bit of inexperience as we saw as uh, bringing Wyke in for his MLS debut. Uh, last question comes from Sam Holman seven. Do you think we will still make the playoffs without Joseph? I still think it's very possible.
0: I'm gonna be the optimist here. I think we still can. Um, I still think that even without Joseph Martinez has some quality, but they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to sign somebody. Um, and you really can't afford to get too many more injuries. If you have some more key players go down, then it's hard. And in a salary cap league where you can only have so many guys to make the playoffs, but I'm still going to go with yes. I'm still going to be the optimist. I think there's enough there for Lanyette to do it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's uh, I think before the season, I probably had us finishing maybe second or third uh, in the East, and I think now uh, we're probably in that five, six, seven territory where yeah, we're fighting for a playoff spot. Because of, yeah, just we need to finish goals. and We're missing our most prolific guy. And so that's what's going to be really difficult is, um, you know, we're going to be playing a lot of mo- lot more tighter games uh, where the margins are tighter. And, you know, if we have to draw or if we, um, yeah, if God forbid, um, you know, we concede late goals uh, in succession or something like that, I mean, it could really impact. Um, you know where we place at the end of the you know the season in the standings. So, uh, yeah, difficult uh, to say. Of course, it's still only match day one, but uh, I think yeah, we still I think if we do everything that uh, you know we still intend to do in terms of um, you know we don't just pack it in in the season because Jose Martinez is gone and uh, for at least a part of it, um, at least for the moment. Um, I think, yeah, you know, the team is still very ambitious. Uh, They will find a fill-in striker. And so I think there are still lots of, uh, you know, really, really, uh, you know, fun Atlanta, Atlanta United moments to have. So anyway, that does it for the mailbag and pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day.
0: And guys, the theme's been pretty recurrent with Joseph Martinez being out. Our question of the day is this. Of the players currently on Atlantis United's roster, who do you think will lead the five stripes in goals in 2020? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys have to say.
1: And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. I'm Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>